What's up, guys? It's Little D from FMF. When I'm not mixing gas and hauling ass, I'm listening to Big MX Radio. Hey, guys, what's up? This is Andy Frisella here. You're listening to Big MX Radio. But when you're done with this episode, come check out the MFCEO project, mfceo.com. I got all your motivation. I've got everything you need to know about running your brand. I've got everything you need to know about getting shit done, and we can do it together. can't expect that everyone is as passionate about racing as we are. We can't expect that everyone is able to hear the silent call of the sea at 5am. Not everyone possesses the ability to smell the difference between rich and lean. nor the ear to differentiate the bark of two cylinders from four. It would not be fair of us to assume that the world understands the yearning and overwhelming compulsion that we have to push through pain, angst, frustration and failure. Some people might not understand the desire to test physical limits, conquer fear, or to tangle with the forces of gravity and physics. But we don't make product for them. to the future but embrace our past we study we analyze we race on Sunday so we can innovate on Monday we exercise trial and error religiously through our commitment to the pursuit of perfection. We learn. How to make products for the people that are capable of dedicating everything to sport. Whether there is a championship involved or not. Alpine stars, one goal, one vision.
from Grundahl. Kingsley turns that five sideways. Brian the gate is down. This is a sharp left-hander. Who's going to shot? Looks like Darcy Lange on that Richmond Gallo Kawasaki gets the jump. That's where it all started. Big MX Radio, brought to you by Fly Racing USA, is on the air. Fueled by passion, focused on motocross. W Wheels USA, Moto Ice Wrap, Viral Goggle Brand, and Maxima USA make it possible to bring you the news, the interviews, and the point of views inside the sport of motocross. The gate's about to drop on Big MX Radio. Welcome to the Big MX Radio Podcast Show brought to you by Fly Racing and FMF Racing. I am your host, Brad Gebhardt, and with me on the line, someone who's most likely got an FMF system on the back of his Yamaha, goes by the name of Seth Rarick. Seth, how's it going? I'm doing good, Brad. How about yourself? Hey, not doing too bad, my friend. Spring has sprung. It's a beautiful day here in Winnipeg. The temperatures are around 32 degrees Fahrenheit, and it's snowing consistently throughout the day, so it's safe to say that this is not spring whatsoever. Yeah, I'm going to have to go with, uh, it's a lot nicer down here in Charlotte. I really don't envy you today on the first day of spring. (laughs) That's all good. Uh, But I I understand that uh, Charlotte's been getting its fair share of rain as well. Yeah, we have. It's been weird, though. Um, We came over here after Alice Supercross, so we've been here for like a month now. And it's really weird. It honestly is just rain like every Monday. So hmm. it just kind of screws up the beginning part of our week. Uh, but I mean, it's no big deal. Like, I don't know, everything works out the way it's supposed to. So um, we've just been making the best of it. And I'm a little bit biased because I'm an East Coast guy, but I do enjoy it a lot more over here. Seems like they're getting a lot more, uh, get, not really a lot more work, but just the quality of work is a lot better. And just kind of stay more low key and kind of focus on ourselves a little bit instead of just, you know, out in Cali, it's like everyone and the brothers at the track, so it's a little bit more low-key over here, and I, I really like how it's going. For sure. You get out onto the East Coast, you can kind of put your head down and get to work, get your homework done, and uh, and focus on all, all things that are directed directly to through motocross, whereas in California, there's bright lights, there's people around, there's people that want to hang out at the track, uh, and, and those people just can't hop a plane and come out on, out to Charlotte, so that's a bit of a, uh, a feather in your cap as far as uh, going East Coast. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely, it has its advantages, um, and like I said, I'm, I'm from the East, even though this isn't really close to where I grew up, I just, I just like it better over here, but no, exactly, you made a lot of good points there, and um, it's just hard to kind of focus on like yourself and what you need to work or not, you know, me, but the guys I work with and what they need to work on when you're surrounded by, you know, so many people at day in and day out and you're riding public tracks, you have to stop because they have to water and, and all this stuff. So, uh, it's, it's a lot better being over here and it's only been a month, but so far I think we've made a lot of strides since we've been over here and, uh, for outdoors, it's way better. It's not even in the same realm for outdoors. So I'm looking forward to the rest of the year. Definitely. The heat, the humidity, and just the terrain that is uh, just straight up unavailable in, in California. But all this pertains to uh, your new position, which I feel like you've di- you've kind of jumped in more with both feet this year than ever before, uh, acting as a uh, as a top flight trainer for some of the, uh, the best athletes in the sport. Yeah, yeah, no, it's been awesome. I have a lot more responsibility on my shoulders this year, and it's a lot more work, but... 
I'm I'm a hard worker. I'm I've never been afraid to work hard. So I kind of like that. I'd rather be um rather have a lot more on my plate than kind of searching for things to do. So I always keep myself really busy. And this year's been uh, it's been a little bit overwhelming at times, but it's been awesome, man. I really wouldn't want it any other way. And I've learned a lot, and I've, it's been really rewarding to see these guys the, the progress these guys have made. So looking forward to keep that up, and um, yeah, just working as hard as I can and trying. Try and get these guys uh, prepared to, to the best of my ability. Definitely, I, I do agree that uh, diamonds do, are produced by pressure, and uh, and you're definitely uh, uh, create being uh, you're, you've got some pressure on you, and I think you're you're kind of rising to the occasion uh, under the uh, the tutelage of a, a Gareth Swanepoel, a, a great athlete in his own right, phenomenal trainer, and uh, and a guy who's kind of taken you under his wing in the last couple of years. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, without Swanee, I mean, first off, that's uh, how I should start this whole thing. Without Swanee, um, I would not be in the position I'm in now. Everything, to be honest with you, has almost happened, I don't want to say by accident, because I believe everything happens for a reason. You know, you kind of end up where you're supposed to be. But in a way, it's kind of happened by accident. I never planned to be in this position. I never strive for it. Uh, everything just kind of lined out this way. And um, once I was given the opportunity, then it was totally different. I'm like, okay, I got to make the most of this. Um, Cause I do actually enjoy, enjoy working with these guys and learning from Swanee. And I've just kind of tried to be like a sponge and learn everything I can. And plus too, I, I did, I did race my whole life. Um, so I have, you know, it's not like I'm completely, just some random guy being brought into this. I do have a lot of experience from my own racing day. So I also, I kind of try and couple that with what I've learned from Swanee and, and also what I learned from each individual rider, cause everyone's different. So kind of the way I treat one person, you know, maybe the, the other guy needs something a little bit different. So I've been, that's the biggest learning process, but yeah, it's been awesome, man. And Swanee's really helped me out a lot. Uh, he's been awesome to me and yeah, just, taking the his wing and I'm extremely grateful for the opportunity. So I'm trying to make the most of it. Absolutely. You guys seem to work uh, great as a team. Uh, am, am I mistaken to think that uh, Tyler Rattray is mixed in there as well? I, well, him and Swanee are friends. They go okay. way back. I mean, they grew up, they grew up together in South Africa, but, but okay. no working together. No, no, Tyler does his, Tyler does his own thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think He's involved with Alden in some capacity, but I don't, I don't really know. Fair enough. All, all, the, all those South Africans, they're, they're all very mysterious. Yeah, they, it's kind of like they, uh, <laughs> it's kind of funny, man. Like, I've met a lot of people, a lot of prominent um, figures in the industry, and they're all from South Africa. Like, most of the guys over at Thor and Parts Unlimited are from South Africa. And it's like, man, they're taking over the world. <laughs> <laughs> no but, kidding. Uh, uh, yeah, but cool. Between uh, between those two and, and Johnny Louch over at the W, it's uh, it's 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 funny accents all around. Yeah, yeah, it is. And like I said, man, the deep like the more people I've met, the deeper you get into some some of the figures in the in the industry. You'd be surprised by how many people are from South Africa, man. But hmm. it's uh, it's kind of funny. I have a lot of respect for for those guys. I want to go over to that country someday. I've never been there, so after meeting all these guys, I kind of want to go and spend some time there. Absolutely, my bucket list as well. And uh, first place, I actually I believe I we met you in person. I think actually I think it was at uh, in line at Will Call it at Anaheim One. But after that, uh, was it actually at the W? I was doing some lifting. You were doing some training. How important is that facility to what you do, what Swanee does, and how you guys basically shape and mold the athletes that you work with? 
oh man, that's our spot. Like anytime, like I said, I'm in, you know, I'm in Charlotte right now, but, uh, Swanee's been in California this whole time. And anytime I'm in California, that's our, that's our go-to spot, man. Johnny's the man. He's, he's hooked us up so much and he's helped us out so much. That facility is amazing. Has everything you need for, uh, not just us, but any top athlete who takes training seriously. Um, and you know, kind of wants to get to that next level. Then yeah, the W is an awesome place. They have everything you need. They even have a, a chiropractor in there, uh, Dr. Nick. He's, he's a really good dude. And, yeah, Johnny's just an all-around good guy. He's kind of a really funny guy to be around. So there's some days I've gone there just to just to hang out, not even if I'm, if I'm not training or if I don't have a whole lot to do, I'll just swing through and just kind of shoot the shit with Johnny. He's a, he's a good dude. Absolutely, and a ton of stories, that guy. Like, I had no idea that he was a uh, a firefighter and uh, like at all for for one and then also that he was uh that he worked uh in gov- like like pr- protection of the government over in South Africa like that's that's pretty ridiculous <laughs> yeah yeah he's got stories for days man any anything you've done he's done it he's done it uh better i should say but most people like oh, that, that kind of hear me like uh, <laughs> no 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 in a, in, a, in a good way in a good way though like most people that's all I get to like most people like that, you kind of just like take with a grain of salt and you're like, ah, I don't know, this guy's full of crap. But Johnny, it's actually true. And that's the, that's the funny part, man. Like he's got a story for everything, but, uh, it's, it's all true. So it's actually pretty mind blowing, but yeah, he's a, he's a pretty, pretty funny character, man. I really like Johnny and, and his facility's awesome. Definitely, and, and they were they're nice enough. And like they're so warm and welcoming. And this kid from Canada comes down. First of all, I didn't even ask to, to to train there. I just wanted to do a podcast about it. He's like, "All right, yeah, you're gonna train here. We're gonna put you on the BC Fit meals." And uh, like, by the way, um, you you walked in here at seven p.m. We walk out at eight o'clock, but I want to leave now. So just turn the lights off when you're done. Like, yeah, I'm like, yeah, it's gonna give you free rain yeah, okay, I'm like, okay, bye. Like, this is a amazing facility. Like, probably like one of the best in at least anywhere near uh, like Southern California. And he's just like, yeah, just turn the lights off when you're done. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, he's an awesome. No, exactly, exactly. He's an awesome dude. And like I said, man, he's helped us out a bunch. And even with me personally, like when I first met Johnny, I was, you know, he didn't know who I was. He didn't know anything about me. And I was just kind of going in there. This was back when I was racing, but I was just kind of going there with, with uh, either Coop or Swanee and just kind of, uh, you know, I kind of felt awkward at first. I didn't really know anyone. And yeah, he was, he's been cool since day one, man. He's kind of, you know, just let me, I don't want to say run of the mill, but he's let me use the place and kind of do whatever I need to do with no restrictions. And yeah, he's, he's an awesome dude. So really, uh, really appreciate people like that. Definitely. I, th- I think that uh, through between Johnny and, and Swanee, uh, what, not only uh, they give you the opportunity to to work, but also a, an opportunity to grow. Uh, a guy who um, maybe the the professional career didn't turn out uh, like check off all the boxes that you wanted to, but at the end you you like if if anybody would say like what were your end goal in, in the the sport is to be able to still be involved with the sport once your 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 last professional racing days are done, and uh, and that's exactly what you have is an ability to to grow within the sport and uh, and still be a part of it. Yeah, you know, absolutely, absolutely, yeah, it's been, um, like I said earlier, I mean, I never really planned for this, it's just kind of evolved, and um, yeah, I'm extremely grateful for, for everything I've been given, and yeah, that's really it, I've, I actually have worked, um, worked a couple normal jobs in my day, and 
don't really have a whole lot of interest outside of this industry. <laughs> I don't really know <laughs> what were your normal doing, jobs? Uh, um, well, growing up, uh, my, my dad did, um, masonry work. So like, you know, brick, block, concrete, all that stuff. Very, that's what I do for a very, living. Very, very hard. Really? Yeah. Like that's what I did today. No, no way. <laughs> yeah, really? Dude. Dang, it must've been really bad when it was so out there. It must've been invisible. Yeah, it was horrible. <laughs> but that's, yeah, yeah, no, I didn't know that. Yeah, that's a, that's a small world. But yeah, that's so what my dad did. So he was, uh, growing up, I was always uh, kind of spent a lot of my childhood on job sites helping him, you know, when he needed help. But uh, once I got older and, you know, kind of had be because I was a privateer, just kind of, uh, you know, I'd always make the show and stuff, but obviously Some money was always player. tight. So, so yeah, during the week I would work for my dad and that was, uh, you know, I mean, you know, very hard manual labor. So that made me appreciate the value of a dollar. And then um, yeah. uh, I actually worked, this is a super complicated job to explain, but I actually worked on a nuclear plant at one point. Um, I did, I did that two separate times. Actually, I was recovering from shoulder surgery and my shoulder was really, really jacked up. So I couldn't do a lot physically. And it was in the dead of winter and back in New York, obviously, you know, our winters are a lot like Canada. So I was really down and out. I didn't have any money, didn't really have one arm, <laughs> and needed something so a family friend got me into this nuclear plant which it was almost like a desk job which i hated and couldn't relate to whatsoever and six days a week 12 hours a day and it, it, i made really good money in a short amount of time but basically as soon as i got the release from my doctor uh to ride i think it was springtime too then i was like all right well i'm out of here so i uh, didn't didn't really want to uh, go back to doing that i still could if i wanted to i still like uh, certified to go in the nuclear plant and stuff, but no, nah, I don't plan on doing that anytime soon. No doubt, that is some serious, serious work, and uh, and and not clean work whatsoever. Um, yeah, and, and you're you're basically like a real life Homer Simpson. <laughs> yeah, some buddies back home were kind of messing with me about that. It's pretty funny, but yeah, man, it was. Uh, I don't know. That was a really weird, weird experience. It's kind of a lot to explain, but. Uh, yeah, no one really believes me when I said I worked on a nuclear plant. Well, well two of them, actually. Um, and it was, it, it was cool. I, I don't regret doing it whatsoever, um, but I don't want to go back to it either. No kidding. I think I, I'm probably more uh, more surprised to say that you've worked on a on a bricklaying site than a, a nuclear power plant. You are you're 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 pretty. Uh, uh, you're I wouldn't say you're a pretty boy, but you're you're uh, a bit of a. Uh, you don't look like most bricklayers, is what I'm trying to say. Uh, they're they're sad. <laughs> Yeah, I get I get that a lot, man. There's uh it's kinda of funny. A lot of people think I'm something I'm not, but there's uh yeah, I, I I didn't I grew up I guess I don't wanna know, the rough way, I guess you could say. Really? Um so I uh I really, really respect, you know, people with good work ethic and you know, kind of the the blue collar man. I really respect that. That's what I grew up with as a you know, that was what my dad was like and I really Really came from nothing. Never came from money or anything like that. From a very small town, so I can really, really respect that. I, I didn't know that you did that, man. That, that's pretty funny. 
Absolutely. No, my dad's a bricklayer. Uh, he teaches bricklaying locally here in Winnipeg. And uh, at 18 years old, I either moved out of the house or went to bricklaying school. So I went to bricklaying school. And actually, yesterday was my eight-year anniversary of becoming a journeyman bricklayer. Uh, and uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's been a hell of a ride. I, one day, I'd love to make motocross my everything. But for right now, uh, laying bricks during the week is, uh, is what I do to pay the bills. Yeah, no, no, that's awesome, man. Yeah, and I, I never got, like, because I was always, I, mean, I was still really young when I worked yeah. for my dad, but uh, I, I was just always the laborer. I was never the one laying the brick, but I was, you know, setting up the scaffolding, mixing the cement, and, you know, laying yeah. out the brick. For, I mean, it was, I arguably worked probably more than he did. All he did was lay him. But, uh, no kidding. But, no, those, yeah, I don't, uh, I, I don't regret those days at all. That probably taught me more, uh, as far as work ethic-wise, that taught me more than, than anything else ever has. I mean, if you don't, you don't have a good work ethic. You will not uh, go very far. Will not enjoy your days doing that stuff. Absolutely. And on top of that, like I just, uh, I, I think of a hard day at the job site uh, in comparison to a hard day walking, like say like walking back and forth to the, the pits in Atlanta, like I'll, I'll walk that, that walk a hundred times if I don't have to pick up a trowel. Like <laughs> all day. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Yeah, no, I, I agree, I agree. But back in the day, it was look back on some of the stuff that I was that I was doing, yeah. and uh, kind of it's kind of crazy to think about because I'd work, you know, I'd, I'd get up in the morning, I'd do something training wise, usually like a run or something, whatever I had time for. I didn't have time for much because you'd get up, you know, before the sun was up. But uh, and then yeah, I'd work all day, and then after work, it was either I'd try to ride if I could, uh, or if I didn't get to ride, I'd do you know, be in the gym or cycling or something uh it'd be like that monday through friday and then i'd be racing a national on saturday and i'd be like man why am i why am i tired i never understood it you know and like then after a race of national i'd be tired i'm like oh, I'm, i must have to work harder and then i'd kind of train <laughs> harder that week and then i would just it just it was just funny looking back i was really young and didn't know any better but um yeah it was, it's a good experience man i got stories for days so i don't i don't regret any of it absolutely we have to sit down and just go uh, and, and really go through your career one day. But uh, um, before we get too far into this, clue us into to exactly who you who you work with uh, as far as athletes. I know you've got a qu- quite the impressive roster, and uh, and uh, unfortunately, uh, many of which are currently on the sidelines. Yeah, yeah. So it's a little confusing um, for because I get a, I get that a lot actually. People kind of asking me like, what you know, what's your deal? Who do you train? Who do you work for? And blah blah blah. But um, so I actually work for Swanee. I work underneath Swanee. Like he, um, you know, he's, uh, you know, kind of, he writes the programs and he, he's really taken me under his wing and taught me a lot on the training side of things. But so anyway, I work for Swanee. So at the races, you know, I'll help out, uh, all, all our guys, you know, he's got the whole star team, uh, and then Cooper, uh, Cooper Webb as well. So, I help all those guys with whatever they need, um, any advice they need, you know, supplements, meals, watch them on the track, you know, basically anything those guys need, I will help. But this year for 2018, he's actually, that's what I'm saying. I have a lot more responsibilities. So he's actually given me my own guys to train, which have been, so I have Jimmy Dakotis, um, Bradley Taft, which that uh, has changed a little bit as well. But anyway, so Jimmy Dakotis, Bradley Taft, Brandon Hartraft, um, those are 
my three guys. And then since I've came to the East Coast, it's been a little bit of change because out in Cali, I was doing everything with Taft. Um, I was actually living with him as well. And then since we've came to the East, since we came to the East Coast, um, Cooper's place is over here, Cooper Webb's facility. Um, so Swanee stayed in California. Swanee's kind of taken over Taft's deal. And then I'm, I have not, I'm not trying to say I've taken over anything, but I'm pretty much. Um, You've been given the responsibility of. Yes, exactly. I've been given the responsibility of taking care of Cooper. So Swanee still writes the programs and everything for him, but I'm kind of, uh, in charge to make sure he just, he does everything he's, needs to do over here so we've kind of swapped a little bit and then brandon hartraff has came with me he's actually living with me here in north carolina and then jimmy d lives three miles away from me so um yeah it's a little bit it's a little bit confusing so collectively as a group i work with you know the whole star team uh pretty much whole cycle trader team and then you know cooper and then jimmy but now me personally i have brandon Jimmy, and then, you know, now I guess I could say Coop since, you know, we're both over here in North Carolina. Well, there you go. And obviously Coop missing last weekend. Um, do you know any pro- type of prognosis on the injury? What was uh, what was the ailment uh, that he's suffering from most? And do you know any type of timetable as to when we might see the number two back there, back out there on the, off the, tra- on the track? Um, yeah, so it's, it's actually not, not too big of a deal. Um, the main thing is just trying not to make it worse. And obviously championship wise, you know, he's not in the hunt for the title. So the focus is, uh, with this injury kind of, you know, sites are, you know, obviously kind of set on outdoors. I don't, I don't think that's a big secret. So, um, the injury itself isn't too big of a deal. Uh, what ended up happening was, uh, it's an unfortunate situation, but it's part of, part of the sport that we choose is last Tuesday, um, Tuesday before St. Louis, we were down at Club MX riding and Coop is having a really good day. Probably the best I've ever seen him ride or at least the best I've seen him ride since 2016 when, you know, when he won everything. Right. And, uh, he had a bike, uh, bike malfunction, you know, no one's fault. Like I said, just kind of part of it. And it happened on a jump. So very, very ugly crash. Um, that wasn't his fault. And to be quite honest with you, he is very fortunate to just have a bum shoulder because it was a very, very gnarly crash. But either way, um, he actually was fine. That happened on Tuesday. On Wednesday, he was very sore. He's like, okay, I'll be good to race this weekend. And he went and saw a, I was like a PT just to get some therapy on his shoulder. She recommended getting an MRI. So he got an MRI on Thursday, got the result Thursday night. And there's just a couple small, very, very minor problems with his shoulder. Um, very similar to what Marvin did at the beginning of the season. So basically got the MRI report read and the doctor said that you can try and ride. It's basically just a matter of, you know, can you, you know, can you take it or not? Basically you won't make it any worse unless you crash. And then, yes, we went to St. Louis to try and ride. And unfortunately had another crash the first practice session. Um, which didn't make the injury any worse, thank God. But um, he felt, and after, I mean, I saw it, kind of his shoulder was so weak that that kind of attributed to the crash, you know? So he was kind of like, okay, well, for me to race, it was kind of dumb because I can probably gut it out and race and finish top 10, but it's a little bit dangerous for me to be out there, um, you know, especially since he crashed in free practice because of the injury. So. Right. 
just decided to pull the yeah decided to pull the plug, kind of play it safe, and um, yeah. So he's been back here in Charlotte, and we've um, yeah we've kind of had a normal week training wise. You know, we cycled so far every day. He went to the gym today, and I think he's going to try to ride on Thursday to see about this weekend. But either way, I mean, if he misses any more time, it'll just be Saturday. But as of now, he's still planning on trying to race Saturday, but. We actually won't know until after he rides on Thursday. But at the worst, I see missing one more week, and then then we have an off week anyway. So I think it'll be fine for Seattle. Fair enough, and that's encouraging to hear. Obviously, we want to have our, our superstars out there on the track, and it uh, frankly hasn't been a great year for uh, the superstars or anybody else in the sport. Honestly, uh, there's very few guys that haven't at least dealt with something throughout the the year, and I think that's that's indicative of motocross. But this year seems to be uh, a lot worse. It sounds like uh, um, Coop might be dealing with a small, maybe a, a small labral tear, um, and and that's what's that's not creating a lot of stability in his shoulder when he extends his arm, maybe a little bit of uh, antsiness and just that you don't have a lot of strength in that extended position. Yeah. Yeah. It's super, super minor. Like I said, um, it's just uh, something he'll be, I mean, I would say a hundred percent for, for Seattle and just kind of doesn't, it's kind of pointless, you know, to say if he was to race and, crash and further the injury and then you're looking towards it affecting outdoors which at this point would not you know would not be good so mm-hmm. yeah it's just kind of smarter to smarter to sit it out and like i said i mean as of now the plan is to still race this weekend so that could change on thursday but like we were mountain biking today um on a pretty pretty rough trail it's just like a bunch of roots and stuff and yeah he was fine so um and then you know and he did gym today too so I don't. Uh, I don't really see it being an issue much longer. Absolute. And then for a guy who you yourself have have had some shoulder issues, you're probably one of the, like kind of like the the best sounding board to kind of for him to go to as far as what he's feeling, like uh, what he's capable of, how much he can push it. Um, because uh, yeah, you've been there. Yeah. Well. Well. Yes and no. Um, he could probably learn what not to do from me. Fair to be enough. Honest, because. You and, Rob, um, my, you and Robbie, I, uh, Robbie Raynard. Yeah, yeah, exactly. No, my shoulders, um, that was a big, uh, to be honest, I don't want to say like a big Z reason, but that ruined most of my, um, that ruined me racing lines, kind of, and still affects me daily. I have very, very bad shoulders. Uh, I dislocated each of them uh, a million times, it feels like, and yeah, my piece of advice to Coop is, don't rush it because <laughs> yeah. that's all I did. I would, you know, I would dislocate my shoulder and try and race the next moto and then wear a shoulder brace. And oh my God, it was just years and years and years of shoulder problems. And to be honest, like I said, they still are uh, really, really messed up. Um, to this day, they bother me. So, um, yeah, my, like I said, he can learn from me, but he could really learn what not to do. <laughs> Cause if I was actually telling him today, like, you know, just, don't rush it because if there's one thing I would do differently, it'd be probably not rush a lot of my injuries. Absolutely, you and me, uh, you and me have more in common than I thought, Sethro. Um, I've had both my shoulders pop out about 15 times a side. One one actually got fixed, the other one didn't. But uh, yeah, I actually tried to race about nine days after popping it out one time and uh, made it through the entire day until the last corner. Someone took out my front wheel, put the hand out, and out came my shoulder. So uh, yeah, been there, done that. Yeah, yeah, it's it's not fun, man. I've 
Um, I've had two surgeries on my, I got to think now. Yeah, two surgeries on my left and one surgery on my right. And um, my right still actually needs probably a little bit of cleanup work done, but it's good enough. I don't really ride or race too much these days. So just for what I do now, it doesn't bother me too bad. Uh, it just kind of bothers me more in, more in everyday chores more than riding. I could go riding and actually not be bothered. But, right. uh, you know, in the gym and flexibility and stuff like that, just kind of everyday tasks, it, they really bug me. But, uh, yeah, I mean, they're good enough for what I do now, so I don't see any uh, any further work being done on me in the near future. Fair enough. Well, uh, hopefully, uh, yeah, it stays the same for you. But uh, um, I, I don't want to get too far into this without talking about uh, Brandon Hartraff, the guy who uh, you're currently, uh, he's, he's rooming with you. The kid is, I, I call him Ivan Drago, not only because he looks like him, spitting image, <laughs> but also, exactly like him, yeah. he looks exactly like him. I, I showed him the picture, he's like, dude, that is me. And um, But also, like the kid is an absolute beast in the gym. First thing that I noticed uh, about him is like his most motocrossers, I don't want to sound negative, but they don't, like most motocrossers don't really look like they fit in a gym, so to speak, you know what I mean? Like, but the kid is an absolute ox. He's not like stocky in any way. He's just solid. And, uh, it was really cool to see him working out with the rest of the team and, uh, doing his thing. Yeah. Yeah. No, the kid, um, definitely a bigger kid and he's still only 19. So that's actually a scary thought. He's still got room to grow. So I'm hoping he doesn't, hopefully he doesn't grow too much more, especially with being on the 250. But, um, yeah, I, I honestly think the size thing, you know, some some people could say it's a disadvantage, but I see a lot of advantages to it. Um, you know, no one's really going to mess with him too much. Um, and he's got, you know, kind of, he can throw his weight around. You know, he's, he's, he's a really nice kid. He's a lot nicer than me, I should say, because <laughs> I would probably try and use that to my advantage a little bit more, especially with some of these guys he's racing against. But, uh, other, but yeah, no, he, he's a really really good kid and he works super hard i mean the kid works works extremely hard you know anything you ask of him there's no complaining there's no arguing there's no there's nothing he just does it he does the work and it's really uh he's a, he's a dream to work with honestly he's just a, a, a nice nice down-to-earth person that just works hard and wants to succeed and um yeah i really can't ask for anything more no kidding. Just uh, as a hardworking kid, it seems to really like uh, trust in your in the process, and I think that's the that's the biggest thing for uh, top flight athletes is if they have someone in their corner that they completely just buy in and uh, and and trust in in things that they might not know everything about. Like, I think there's some athletes that they have their own ideas of how they should train, and that stops them from just going into a program with uh, kind of an open mind and just going out and doing it. Yeah, I agree. I think a lot of that, um, a lot of that comes from ego. Um, egos are, I don't really like being around people with big egos. And unfortunately, not only in this sport, but in life, there's a lot of people like that. And I think a lot of that, um, what you're saying, uh, big egos actually limit your potential a lot because, you know, a lot of good advice, um, even bad advice, hell, you can, you know, like I said, you can learn what not to do from someone, but there's something to be learned from everybody. And, uh, yeah, having an open mind is, is very important. And, um, yeah, a lot of, a lot of riders, especially kind of, you know, it's their way or no way, or, you know, some people they trust completely, or if someone else tries to get a piece of advice, like, Oh dude, you're an idiot. You know, I'm not listening to that, blah, blah, blah. But, um, yeah, with, with Brandon, there's, there's none of that. I mean, he, he is, he is a rookie. So, you know, maybe that'll 
change over time, but I sure hope not. I hope he stays the way he is. And, um, yeah, he's just super down to earth. And like I said, we'll, we'll listen to he's, he's very open-minded. He'll do anything that's asked, asked of him. And it's been a really good season for him so far. So I'm super proud of him and, and hopefully, uh, everything keeps going in the right direction. Definitely trending in the right direction. Last question before we get into some, uh, some more fun questions to end the session. Um, BC Fit Meals. They were nice enough to uh, basically uh, feed me for the last three uh, three weeks, four weeks of my of my trip down to California. <laughs> you guys have been involved with them for a uh, for a lot longer than that. I think they're a huge asset to the program, and I, I understand that you guys also use a meal prep service out east. How important is meal prepping to fitness as well as those two businesses to your program? Oh man, it's crazy. We've seen such a big difference this year. Um, like, you know, in years past, it's like, I don't want to say the guys are eating horrible, but, you know, training-wise, I feel like we always had everything pretty dialed, you know, moto-wise, uh, racecraft, the mental side of things. I always feel like we had a lot dialed, but the nutrition side was, um, some guys are better than others, like uh, Colt Nichols, for example. Like, I, you know, I lived with Colt last summer, and Colt always took that side of things pretty serious. I think he was lacking maybe a little knowledge in that area, but he always took it very serious and ate as healthy as he knew how and took that side very serious. But, you know, other guys were kind of just kind of, you know, eat one healthy meal and then one shitty meal, one healthy meal, one shitty meal. So that side, I think, was always lacking. And, um, you know, we kind of have a good, a, quite a big group of guys that we train. So maybe ourselves, we weren't um, paying as close of attention to that side as we should, you know. And plus, like, you know, I we're not with everyone 24 hours a day, so they could be eating bad stuff and we don't really know about it, you know? So, right. uh, this year, uh, we actually, uh, I actually have to thank Brock Tickle. Um, Brock Tickle had shown me the, he, he got in touch with the BC meals guys some, somehow, but Brock actually told me about that, um, way back when, like beginning of off season, probably pretty soon after outdoors ended last year. So I got in touch with those guys and one thing led to another and, um, yeah, I, I honestly can't remember how it all worked now, but, uh, we all started getting on it. And then Tyler Kalisiak, uh, he got involved with, he's also a good friend of Swanee's and, um, a very, very knowledgeable nutritionist. And he got involved not, not only with us, but with the BC guys and kind of started personalizing it more. Um, so like the, the BC meals are very good. Um, but they're also, it kind of goes back to like the same thing doesn't work for everyone. You know, what, what one person's body needs someone else is differently. So that's where TK came into the equation and really uh, got all the guys fitness tests, got blood work done and kind of came up with uh, what exactly they need at the right time. And even uh, he's even given us uh, a nutrition plan on race days, which has been extremely helpful. And yeah, it's really all kind of fallen into place, man. It's just worked really good. It's been, it's been a huge difference this year. I see a lot, a lot of positives to come out of it. Um, like I know it's helped, I'd say Cooper probably the most just because Coop had a, I think a big sweet tooth, <laughs> uh, still, still does, still, still does from time to time, but it's helped him tremendously. I see the difference in him. And then, um, also Brandon too, just kind of going back to what you said earlier with his size. Um, when you're that big, it's, you kind of gotta, you know, you don't want to, you know, get too skinny, but you kind of got to cut all the corners you can ride at 250 and it's helped him a lot. Um, just kind of, he's pretty much as lean as he can be for his size, you know? 
So, uh, yeah, it's, it's helped, it's helped all the guys, uh, tremendously. And myself too, I've, I've been on it and I've paid a lot more attention to what I've eaten this year. You know, kind of the last couple of years I've been in retirement mode, but now I'm kind of back on it. So yeah, it's, uh, it's been, it's been awesome, man. It's been a big asset to the program. Absolutely. Will Batanti, unbelievable individual, a guy who uh, takes great care in his, his catering business as well as the fit meals. And uh, Tyler Klesiak, I think he, he just really helped. Kind of, He's the mastermind as far, as far as dialing in the recipes to make sure these guys are getting enough calories in. And to be honest, a lot of these guys, they're 16, 17, 18, 19 years old. I don't know about you, Seth, but I was not a gifted uh, culinary arts specialist, a.k.a. cook, uh, in my 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 late teen years i'd most likely put cheese on something rather than salt and pepper um and yeah it's just, it's like it's it's tough to expect a teenager living with other teenagers to eat properly or eat like an athlete's supposed to and uh and this really kind of takes the uh the guesswork out of it and, and allows these kids to uh eat healthy eat convenient and uh, and do it on a consistent basis yeah yeah no it's, it's been awesome man and i'm yeah, I'm the same way. I'm not, uh, I'm not really a cook whatsoever. And, uh, no, exactly. It's been such a, such a big asset to the program. And like I said, like I've seen the difference in everyone, um, some more than others, just because some of those guys have maybe eaten a little worse than the other guys, but yeah, all in all, it's been great. And, uh, you know, I mean, I, like I said, I feel a difference myself and I'm not even, I'm not even the one racing. So, uh, for me to feel differences, I think, you know, they, they must be huge for them. Absolutely, and I, I, I thank uh, Will for for putting me up in, on the program for as long as he did. I think that guy is awesome, dude. As well as the the cafe itself. If you ever have to roll by uh, uh, VP or Twisted Development or any of those awesome businesses, they're basically all located in the same spot in Marietta. Uh, you'll you'll have to pass BC uh, Fit ca- or BC Cafe. So, uh, uh, and it's probably where most people pick up their meals. Yeah, yeah, no, it's awesome, and Will's a great guy. That's who. That's actually who I first met there, and that's how uh, that's who Brock introduced me to. Yeah, and um, yeah, I went down to the cafe, and the place was awesome. So they, um, yeah, they've they've done a great job, and then we actually it's worked out great because now that we're in Charlotte, um, uh, it's kind of another little bit of a long story, but we got hooked up with one of our friends over here who lives in the Charlotte area, um, who rides, and we've been buddies with him for a couple of years. He, uh, he's always been in a, you know, he's always eaten really healthy and been in the food prep and this and that. He came out to watch a race. I think it was San Diego Supercross and he met Tyler Kalisiak and, you know, one thing led to another and, you know, it's all worked out to where TK's kind of given him some recipes as well. And now he's taking care of us on the East Coast. So it's kind of like we transferred over from, uh, you know, from BC and it's almost like we've stayed on BC. It's just a little, little bit different, but, uh, yeah, it's been, it's been awesome, man. Picking up where you left off, eating good in the neighborhood uh, is 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 Seth Rarick. Now, Seth, it's time for some fun questions. Are you ready? I think I have six or seven of them. Oh boy, oh boy, yeah, yeah. Let's uh, let's go. Hopefully, nothing too wild. <laughs> no, it won't be wild whatsoever. We're going old school here. Favorite motocross <laughs> okay, okay. video growing up? I'm talking like Revelation One Nine Nine, all those all those fun ones. What 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 did um, you play over and over and over again? Um, you know, I did play Revelation 199 a lot. <sighs> Favorite. Oh, man. He's really putting me on the spot right now. Mm-hmm. Um, my favorite, I would have to say The Great Outdoors 2. Um, that's the, I mean, all The Great Outdoors are awesome, 
Uh, but the Great Outdoors 2 is with the, I don't remember his name, but whoever narrated it was just phenomenal, man. That's the year. It was actually from 03 when uh, Brownie and Rhino went at it all summer. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, that, that narrative. And then Owen oh, Windham made his comeback, too, and almost won Glen Helen, and then he did with Hangtown. It was, yeah, that, Great Outdoors 2 is awesome, man. I could watch that. You know, I'm, I must have watched it a thousand times, but I can watch it a thousand more, and it just does not get old. Yeah, and for those who don't know or don't remember, that's the one with the – there's a, a, a southern-sounding guy narrating the whole thing, and he's at one point he's like, hello, my name is Ricky Carmichael. I just lost yes. two weekends in a row. Prepare to die. And yes, yes. that is gold. That one is so good. Oh, I might even play yeah, that also tonight. Too, I would say Rev- I'd say Revelation 199 and any of the steel roots are tied for second. You know, I was a huge McGrath fan. Uh, yeah. He was – He's still my favorite of all time. So, you know, McGrath, Steel Roots, I think they made, what, three of them? Was it, I think, three of them? But any of the Steel Roots, Revelation 199, they're all probably all tied for second. Fair enough. Well, uh, like, safe to say you probably put uh, quite a bit of time on all three of those. Um, How do you take your coffee? Um, I used to be a heavy cream, like the coffee mate cream oh yeah um, that has sugar as well but um yeah i've really really tried doing a black band but it's just really tough for me to do so i'm just a light cream guy i get the kind of the healthiest version of cream you can but yeah flavored creamer yeah i don't do sugar or anything but just just very light i've, I've tried going black man i just i can't get there it's, it's way too tough for me no we're in the same boat i'm drinking black coffee and i'm thinking well, of myself that, that, i'm like this would be so much better if I had just a little bit of cream. Can I just have a, a little bit of yeah, cream? Yeah, yeah, that, that, that's it. That's at home how I do it. If I go to, like, Starbucks, it's just uh, I get almond milk and then the sugar-free creamer. So, or the sugar-free flavor, I'm sorry. Almond yeah, milk, yeah. sugar-free flavor there. Almond milk, so sugar-free actually, flavor. Probably Starbucks is probably, probably healthier than what I do at home, to be honest with you. Just costs, like, what, $12 for a cup? <laughs> Fair enough. So if anyone wants to bring Seth a coffee at one of the Supercrosses, and he know, you know he'd appreciate it, almond milk, some sugar-free creamer, good to go. Yep, yeah, that's, that's it. Not, not too picky. Uh, what is your favorite meal to cook for a lady friend? Oh. Um, Having a girl over, you got to bring out the goods. What are you making? I mean, if I'm having a girl over... She's probably going cooking. Wow. Or we're, go- or we're going out somewhere. Okay. Um, I don't know, man. I'm not really a cook. I think the only meal that I've ever mastered just because it was my favorite meal ever, and now I actually stay away from it. I never really eat Italian much to anymore, too much anymore, but uh, just chicken parm. I love chicken parmesan. my favorite meal ever. A- anything Italian, but... Yeah, I would okay. probably go with that. Just because just back in the day, I kind of mastered making that. So I'd probably have to go with that. Doing the chicken parm for the ladies, do appreciate that. I think women, women like if a man can cook for them real quick. But uh, uh, next question, what is the worst mechanical failure that you have bestowed upon yourself? Um, Something you didn't tighten I mean, up? Been, or? Yeah, there's been a few... Um, probably pretty recently, actually, <laughs> um, 2017. So last year I made a, I don't want to say a comeback, but I did get it back into riding again and I raced Loretta's. That's right. And at my region, at my regional, 
um, I actually went to change my oil and I drained it and I started talking to someone or this and that. I, I don't really remember. I just got sidetracked and I never put oil back in it. So I actually raced the first motor at my regional with no oil on my bike. Wow. Like no drain plug or yeah. no oil? No, I put the drain plug back in. I tightened it. All I had left to do was put oil in. Yeah. And I never huh. did. Not even, not even one drop. And that should be a testament to the Yamaha 450 because it made it through the moto, but uh, that was about all it made it. That motor was completely fried after that. So uh, thank thank God. I mean, thank the Lord above I, I made it through the moto, but uh, that's about all I made it. She wasn't going much further. No doubt. Well, that's and it's also good that you've got uh, you've got friends that uh, ride Yamahas as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I actually had to swap. That was the first moto, and then I had to swap motors to race the second and third motor or second and third motos because yeah, that motor motor wasn't wasn't going much further, man. But yeah, that was. I've never done anything drastic, actually, any big mechanical mistake myself until then. Um, kind of a bonehead move, but. Uh, I hear stories like that all the time, like people saying I left my drain bolt loose or, you know, I forgot to put oil in or, you know, one thing or other, but I always laughed at those guys and now I can't anymore because I've, I've, now I've done it. It's just taken me, uh, taken me 25 years. You're part of the club. What is your favorite, actually, I know your favorite cheat meal, it's chicken farm. Uh, how did you end up meeting and working with Cooper Webb? Um, a lot of people don't know that story. Um, so I actually met Coop. I can't remember the year now, but uh, growing up in New York, there was a big race at Englishtown, New Jersey, every fall. It was the Kawasaki Race of Champions. And I used to, um, I mean, Englishtown was my favorite track growing up uh, anyway, but I used to do that race every fall. And Coop was on a Honda 150. Uh, I don't remember. He was really young. I don't remember how old he was, but he came up to race. And I was actually, this is making me feel old now, but I was already at B-class. Because uh, I'm a, you know, I'm a good bit older than Coop. So anyway, I was racing B class, and kind of, um, I think I was like kind of winning everything that weekend, or you know, first or second, pretty much every moto. And I think Coop was kind of doing the same thing in the 80 class. Um, so after one of the races, he actually came over with Aaron Zigfielder, who is the son of Ziggy, who owns Factory Connection. Right. And I, I knew Aaron, so they're, they're the same age, and I'm, like I said, a few years older than those guys, but, um, yeah, Aaron came over to talk to me, and Coop was with him, and, uh, yeah, Coop just kind of, I vaguely remember it, but, yeah, he kind of talked to me for a few minutes then, but like I said, he was still a little kid, and then a couple months after that, um, you know, once the, the snow started flying back home, I went down south to south of the border, uh, this is actually before it was south of the border. This was the owner, Ryan Schaefer. It was just his personal track at the time. It was so long ago. And just through mutual friends, I'd gotten to hook up to ride there. And I went down to ride there, and Coop was there. Um, so we just kind of, you know, he kind of saw me. He was like, oh, you're that kid from Englishtown. And, um, yeah, we just kind of, that's how I met him. And, you know, I was down south every winter riding and racing. And then, obviously, after shortly after I met him, he got a lot better in a short amount of time. And, um, next thing I know, we're on big bikes and we're riding together. And, you know, for a short time, I could, I was still faster than him. So we were kind of riding partners there when he was in like school bike class and stuff like that. So, uh, yeah, I've been Coop for a long time. He was probably, I don't know, 11 or 12 when I met him. Oh, wow. 
Yeah, no, no kidding. You've seen you've seen the kid come from uh, uh, just a, a little sapling to uh, to a full grown tree. Now the kid, uh, he, he's 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 an established professional number two on the front of his bike. Yeah, yeah, but it happened really fast too. Because um, like the story I'm telling you kind of feels like uh, last week. No kidding. <laughs> kind of, it's kind of going by really. Yeah, it's going by really fast. But um, yeah, it's funny how how fast time goes and how things change, you know. But um, yeah, I actually met him, met him a while ago, but uh, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's been a good ride, man. I wouldn't, wouldn't really change a thing. Excellent. Well, uh, Seth, I, t- I told you I'd keep you for about 20 minutes. Uh, I've eclipsed that twice and then some, so uh, I'm definitely going to have uh, to get you a coffee at some point for this one, man, but I really enjoyed the conversation. Thanks for giving me the time. Yeah, no, no worries at all, Brad, and yeah, thanks for doing this. It's always cool. Um, like I like doing this kind of stuff and yeah. kind of seeing a different a different side of someone you know like we all get caught up with so much at the races and at the races too it's hard for me to actually i'm so busy it's hard for me to sit down and actually talk to someone you know so um this is uh this has been enjoyable i'm really glad i did it definitely absolutely we'll do it again sometime Gr- uh, great to have you on the show and uh we'll make you a repeat offender because we didn't even get into your uh, uh your canadian national uh superstardom but um yeah man uh, keep doing what you're doing, and uh, and hope all things work out with with Coop rolling into the summer. And uh, we'll see you most likely in Minneapolis. Okay, sounds good, Brad. Yeah, it was good talking to you. And yep. yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll see you there. Hey, everyone. Let's take a break and listen to some commercials quickly. Then we'll be right back to the podcast. Thanks for listening. FlyRacing.com is the home of quality and innovation. The design team at Fly tirelessly rebuild and retool premium lines like the Evolution 2.0 and Light Hydrogen with features like zipper lock to prevent closure failures and EVO's BOA technology, which ensures the perfect fit. Complete your protective gear combo head-to-toe with Fly Racing F2 Carbon MIPS Retrospect and Fly's entry into the premium boot segment with their sector. All products and colorways are available at FlyRacing.com. In motorsports, the action pulls us in, and often we never get close enough to the exhilaration and athletes that amaze us. Although trackside seats are available, nothing gets you closer to motocross and supercross action than the collective experience. Dave Drakes has created an exclusive opportunity to get you closer to the sport you love so much. If you want an all-access experience with Adam or Tyler Knapp, Henry Miller, John Ames, or even the cat, AJ Catanzaro, you need to check out the collective experience today. The collectivexp.com as well as the collective ex on Instagram is where you can find the collective experience. Do so immediately. The collective experience. Nobody gets you closer. What's wrong, Jeff? I don't know, Jay. Well, you better fuel up with a nutritious breakfast with oats and bran. Oats and bran? I didn't think there was such a thing. That's what I used to think. Now, I start out every morning with a bowl of Amigos. For extreme kids like us.
cereal these Amigos. That's what I call fueling for the big ride. Hey, kids, start out every morning with a fat bowl. What's up, guys? It's Bruce Cook here with Nitro Circus. We're coming to Kelowna, B.C., May 25th for the Next Level Tour, and I'm so stoked to see you there. The most action-packed event on the planet is back, bigger and crazier than ever before, with the largest ramps you've ever seen. Nitro Circus, the global youth entertainment phenomenon, returns to North America this year with the epic Next Level Tour. This spectacular brand-new production, an all-moto adrenaline rush, will have death-defying tricks, jaw-dropping world's firsts, and absurd stunts. It all adds up to a thrilling show simply too big to fit indoors. The Next Level Tour launches mid-May, just in time for summer, and will visit over 10 cities across the continent through June. Brainchild of Travis Pastrana, global superstar, action sports icon, and Nitro Circus ringleader, the Next Level Tour features the best athletes in action sports taking on the biggest ramps in the world. The Nitro Circus design team has put it all on the line with this show, doubling down on the risk factor. The FMX Next Level Takeoff Ramp alone, a towering 15 feet above the show floor, a whopping 5 feet taller than any ramp toured before, will launch riders more than 60 feet into the sky. The landing ramp also looms large, standing 23 feet in height. The Nitro Circus Next Level Tour will include several athletes, including Bruce Cook, Jared McNeil, Jared Duffy, Blake, Bilko Williams, and many more. For more information, visit nitrocircus.com. Hey, Big MX listeners, just wanted to take a moment to uh, let you guys know about Viral Brand and Viral Brand Goggles. Uh, Viral Brand Goggles are a relatively new company, and we've been working with them for about a year now, and uh, they've got some really cool things going on, which include uh, not only when you buy a pair of goggles, you will not only get a goggle bag, which of course you get with most goggle bags, but uh, with most goggles rather, but uh, you'll also get tear-offs, you get a 10-pack of tear-offs, and you also get an extra clear lens to go along with your mirrored lens than uh, the tinted lens that the goggles come with. Uh, so it's kind of a more, of a more of a package than it is just a set of goggles, which if you're going to buy goggles, you're going to need an extra lens, you're going to need tear-offs. So they take care of all that stuff for you, and uh, $74.99 US is uh, an easy asking price. They've also got a 30-day money-back guarantee. If uh, their best fit challenge, if your goggles don't fit your helmet within the first 30 days, get them back to Viral, for uh, and, and they'll take care of you, no questions asked. Uh, so check out the theviralbrand.com today and uh and and see what the kind of products and the uh the accessories that they've got i love the goggles myself and uh can't wait to see you guys enjoying them as well take care hey guys it's fly racing's justin brayton winner of the 2018 daytona supercross you're listening to the big mx radio and now with us on the line the 114 in your program he goes by the name of brandon hartraff brandon how's it going Good, how are you guys? Hey, not doing too bad whatsoever, my friend. It's a beautiful day here in Winnipeg. How are things by you down in North Carolina? Uh, it's been raining all week, but uh, it's a little cloudy today, but not too bad. we got a uh, good day riding, so we're doing good. Good day on two wheels is never a bad day, my friend. And then uh, on top of that, throw in some uh, some core exercises as well. Yeah, it was uh, every Wednesday's core day, so good. <laughs> 
who leads core day? Who who's kind of like the the badass in in uh, as far as working core? Because uh, nobody looks forward to working on their core. No one no one uh, like circles that uh, that day on the calendar and be like, yeah, I'm gonna crush it on that day. But who who kind of takes that session over? Uh, our, my trainer Seth Rarick, He's actually uh, well, he claims he's good, but I mean, <laughs> he looks he's pretty solid when he does it. I mean, mm. I don't I struggle, but I'm not too bad. I mean, but yeah, I'd say Seth's probably the best at it. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, I, I I liken you to uh, to an Ivan Drago, not only in the facial features, but you're a pretty solid individual. Yeah, I'm, uh, yeah, I get that a lot. I get a lot of uh, Ivan Drago comments, and mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I'm definitely bigger. I would say, like for the 250 class, which I mean, it's kind of good being a bigger guy. It's probably people more like intimidated by me, so it's all good. Definitely Throw, throwing out the mean mugs, my friend, and uh, yeah, absolutely. You, you got uh, you you can manhandle the bike. You're 19 years old. You're 50, 50 feet tall and bulletproof. You're a pro motocross racer, buddy. Uh, what could go wrong? Yeah, honestly, you hit me. You just you hit a brick. Absolutely. <laughs> nah, I'm just no, but uh, so so how does this all like? Obviously, you're uh, you're racing for the Cycle Trader Rock River Yamaha team. You're doing an amazing job at that. Uh, but how does this? How did you get to this point? Where did you start racing as a as a young uh, young rider? Uh, how did you come come up through the ranks? And uh, how did you end up uh, with the team? Uh, I'm actually I'm from New Jersey, and uh, I've always, I raced uh, Raceway Park in Englishtown, New Jersey, when I was growing up, and uh, that's the that's the hometown local track, and uh, you know, I don't know, just me and my dad were just doing his local stuff, and then we heard about Loretta's, had no idea what Loretta's was, we did it the one year, and I actually got like 30, 35th the first year I did in the 50 class, and uh, I mean, I really didn't start doing amateur nationals until I was about like 12 to 13, and I mean, I was always pretty like decent, top 10 rider, and uh, never thought of like really doing pro stuff, and then throughout the 2015 was a pretty, was a good year. I won about seven national titles, including Loretta's. So that was a really wow. good year. And then 2016 was okay, first year in A class. And then uh, the Cycle Trader team made an amateur amateur team, the Rock River Amateur Racing Team, and they uh, picked me up. And um, I did the first three na- uh, amateur nationals last year, won two titles, and then right after that I got hurt. So I was as an ender for the year, and then uh, they they offered me a contract right after the the first three amateur nationals, and I accepted it. And uh, but yeah, I mean, they're it's an awesome team. I really just can't be happy with everything. So they're uh, they're doing a great job this year. Excellent, Chris, uh, Christina, Denny, and uh, and her entire staff over there doing an amazing job. Uh, they, they support their riders uh, to the fullest. And on top of that, you've got a trainer like Seth, uh, which is kind of the ace in the hole for 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 a guy like you in your position. Yeah, um, Seth. Well, it's Seth. It's Seth Berrigan, Gareth Swanpool, and they're a big, very big help in this year, my program and everything. And uh, definitely, it's good to ride. And train with them, obviously, it's like almost like a confidence booster because you're, you're training with some bad dudes. And, you know, I don't know, like, this year, didn't know how, to, how this year was going to go. And they definitely, I would say, helped me a lot to where I am at right now. And uh, I couldn't really honestly thank them enough. 
Absolutely. So uh, your rookie season in Supercross, uh, and it's only, what, uh, five rounds deep so far, but you've seen it all yeah. so far. You, you've seen Daytona. You've seen uh, uh, the, the, the Triple Crown. This weekend, you're going to see an East-West shootout. Um, you, you've, you've done amazing in main events. You've also had the, the demise of missing a main event. Take us through your season so far. Uh, it's definitely, I would say the first round of Arlington, I didn't really obviously know how I was going to go. I had good confidence in how I was going to do, but I, like I, so in the main, the, uh, blew the first turn because it was a pile up, but, uh, running up front, to be honest, I think was the best thing for me. And, uh, I'd say after that race, there was a lot of like, I could actually like tell myself like I could run with these dudes and then, and then right after that. Tampa, I uh, crashed in the heat and then obviously crashed out in the last turn in the LCQ, so I did not make that. And then, uh, then that we the next race was the Triple Crown, and um, the Triple Crown is pretty cool. It's definitely a lot on the rider, I'd say, but uh, I mean this year's been it's been pretty good, and just trying to keep plugging away. Absolutely, dude. You, you've been you've been crushing it so far, um, and, and obviously the with the. Um, the penalty that you see that you uh, sustained or were, were handed down uh, the the first round, I think that was a bit. It was like uh, swatting a mosquito with a bazooka, but uh, uh, I don't think you really had much uh, like much you could have done there. But either way, uh, that it is what it is. Your first Supercross, second Supercross, uh, yeah. Like, like, what are your thoughts rolling into the last corner? Uh, you, you end up on the ground and you watch uh, two two of your compadres uh, head over the finish line ahead of you. That's uh, that's got to be uh, that's that's a shitty feeling right there. Yeah, I mean, I wasn't really uh, at the moment. I wasn't looking at the big picture just to make him the man because I was, I felt so good that I kind of, I mean, I wanted to win. And uh, I looked at the lap times and I was like over two seconds faster. And uh, it was definitely very frustrating, but I actually had a lot more po- more positives, honestly, out of Tampa than Arlington. So, I, I mean, just got to keep your head up is pretty much what you got to do. Definitely. So, uh, goals set for 2018. Obviously, you'll be racing both indoors and out. But uh, what are, what's, what are some of the small goals that you've set for yourself, uh, and how do you plan on attaining them? Um, I'd say, like, I mean, my goals for every race is uh, to be obviously top ten, and I mean the major goal like top five, which I think I, I mean I personally I can do that, and then say the points chase being the top ten and. Uh, just keep, I mean, really just keep doing what I'm doing throughout the week and show up to the race and just feel good and just not try to be too, like, conceited. And, uh, I mean, I'm definitely doing a lot better than I would say expected. But, I mean, outdoors is obviously not more natural, and I honestly think I can – I mean, I think outdoors can be very good. So, I mean, uh, I mean, we'll just see how it goes pretty much. Absolute. No, it's uh, take as it comes. It's your rookie season after all, but it is good to uh, achieve things. And uh, and this last weekend, I believe you yeah. were sitting in fifth place before uh, uh, Austin Forkner cut that position back away from you. But uh, it's good to know that you're 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 up there. You can run that pace, and uh, uh, it won't be long before uh, you're talking about race wins and podiums. Yeah, I mean, um, yeah, I honestly, I I mean, I look at the pit board over that, but they weren't really giving me what position I was in, I don't think they really want me to know, so I just, like, focus on the race, but, uh, yeah, at one point, I was in fifth place, and I didn't even know it, so, but, I mean, 
I personally think I could have got fifth, but I uh, got kind of stuck behind a lapper for like a lap and a half, which definitely made Fortner catch me up, catch up to me. But yeah, I would say in the next, um, I mean, this year's all about just learning and experience. And I would say, yeah, I think I could be a uh, podium guy eventually in the future. And uh, so, yeah, I guess we'll see. Absolutely, yeah. No, I think you're you're on the right track, one hundred percent. This weekend. Indianapolis, East first, West, um, and basically, if you if you're a, if you're a top ten guy in the in the East, you should have no problem making that main event. But uh, this one's going to be tough. You basically got yeah. um, your your best guys from the East rolling it. Yeah, it's uh, this weekend's actually. I mean, it's going to be a really big race. Which I mean, the fans are going to like it. But uh, I think our heat race is actually like our East Coast main. Which yeah. I mean, I'm, I just all I do is really just get a good start, and I'll be fine. But the main, yeah, the main's gonna be very stacked, which is gonna be cool because it'll actually really show how, like, where you really sit at against everybody. So I mean, Indianapolis, I heard it's a pretty rutted track and breaks down, which I actually I'm a fan of that stuff. So uh, I mean, we'll see how it goes, but I think I'll be I'll do pretty good there. So. Yeah, hopefully it turns out well for you. But uh, um, it, it's one of those things where uh, you, you have to experience these, uh, these things. And uh, at a race like this, is it's absolutely there for the fans. Um, you as a racer, who did you look up to uh, and, and what kind of races did you look forward to when you were a kid? Uh, I mean, I still I look up to, I would say, James Stewart just because he was one bad dude on dirt bike. And I wish he would still race. But, I mean, I don't think he will ever come back out. But, yeah, I would say Stewart, definitely Dungey. I mean, not people are too much of a fan of Dungey, but he was pretty, uh pretty amazing guy. He's always, always on the podium no matter what, which I thought that was pretty awesome. And then, uh, I mean, I, I thought, uh, I mean, I would say Daytona was more, it's more of outdoor style. And actually, I mean, practice I rode amazing, but I didn't really ride too good in the night show. I couldn't really see because of the lights and stuff, but okay. I mean, I figured Daytona was Whereas I mean, actually, my favorite track so far was Daytona. I mean, that's always what I've, like, looked at when I was younger and stuff, so. Yeah, you must Daytona. have also raced it as well. Yeah, I've raced Obviously it not as, it. yeah, in its amateur form, but still raced it. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely came down a lot, but it's, it's I guess, Daytona. It's pretty cool being inside of the, uh, the NASCAR, you know, it, I guess. <laughs> Those those types of races, obviously the track is is what it is. It's 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 I wouldn't say dumbed down, but it is it's definitely tamed from what a real Supercross is. But do those events yeah. actually um, like kind of help you prepare for what a Supercross might feel like? Like obviously now since you've experienced both, um, what's a better uh, kind of a precursor to Supercross? The the amateur all stars at uh, at Monster Cup or going out and and riding uh, Daytona the day after. Uh, I'll definitely say um, Monster Cup. Monster Cup's pretty, uh, I would say, more way more realistic, honestly. Like, the Daytona, I mean, you get kind of a Supercross game, I guess, but, like, the tough blocks and stuff. But, I mean, the jumps are very tiny for, obviously, like, the 50s and 60s. But I would say Monster Cup, for sure, which more realistic for Supercross. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, did you, were, you, were you young enough to have raced that on, a, on an 80 or no? Or a Super Mini? Yeah, I raced on a Super... Uh, in 2012, I raced in a Super Mini, and then raced it in 2015 and 2016. 
Wow. Okay. Fair enough. How was racing that thing on a super mini? I when I see that, honestly, and some people think I'm crazy, but that's one of my favorite races of the night. Watching the super minis jump a uh, supercross triple. That's cool to me. Yeah. Um, the first two years they built that track, it was actually. I mean, I didn't race it. The first year was 2011, and uh, the jumps looked massive, and uh, I was like, wow. Like, I said, maybe sometime I got to race this, and then sure enough, next year I'm. I'm there, and I never even rode a Supercross track until Monster Cup, so I was, I was kind of, I was a little scared at that time. But yes, yeah, definitely. Um, I remember the finish line was like third gear downhill, wide open, and it's like all you had on a Super Mini. So yeah, it was definitely a little scary, obviously on a Super Mini. But I would say they came down the track since then. But um, I mean nowadays, like. Monster Cup's a big deal for Super Minis and also class. So everybody kind of preps for it. I would say at the time, not too, not as many people pre- prepared for it. But yeah, it's kind of scary on Super Minis. No kidding. Were you there? Was that the year where uh, everyone tried to jump the finish line on the first lap and just like piled into the finish line? Like there was just like it was. Yeah, just, like, it was like yeah, yeah, that that was that year. They had that like Kyle <laughs> Dega turn before, and yeah, a little like double where the. The double before the finish, the landing was higher than the uh, face, so like you would clip that and then hit a wall right off like a hundred and something foot finish line. So yeah, I mean, there's a lot of first lap carnage there. I would say that. <laughs> no kidding. Well, that's crazy, man. Um, well, like it, it's a pleasure to have you on the show, man. I I, I know that you've been working hard on the season, and uh, obviously, wish you luck going forward. Um, who, who are some of the, uh, the like the 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 guys that you uh, have like most to thank for your progression to where you're at right now? Uh, that's obviously mom and dad, and then um, the whole cycle trader team, and the whole Enzo KYB team, my uh, trainers Seth and uh, Swanee. And uh, just the Yosh Mir stepped up big time this year. And uh, Christina and uh, her husband put a lot of trust in me this year. They had no idea what I was going to be this year because they really never seen me race. And uh, just they're, they're just doing an awesome job with me. And uh, we get along good. So it's definitely the whole Sucker squad. And Scott Raybon, the, motor, the guy who builds our motors, is very into it and helpful. So, I mean, just pretty much those people. Yeah, honestly, and Moose, definitely Moose is a big help with me this year, too, so honestly, can't thank them enough and everybody else for God, seriously. Absolutely. No, you've got an impressive list of sponsors, and it grows all the time. Uh, Brandon Hartrap, it's a pleasure to finally have you on the show, man. Uh, I talked to uh, to Justin Brayton. He's stoked to see you running the number. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, uh, yeah, that, that's pretty cool. What did you think when uh, when, when he, he kind of he, he even mentioned that? Uh, I didn't even, I mean, he went pro years ago, so I didn't even know he had that number, but, uh. Yeah, you were seven when Seth, you wore that number. Yeah, I know, right? Seth <laughs> mentioned it to me, and then, uh, sure enough, Swanee ran it for his first rookie year in, uh, overseas, so I was like, I was like, that's pretty cool, honestly, but trying to represent it, you know, make Brayton, uh, proud, because he's obviously doing, uh, amazing this year, so, Yeah. <laughs> There you go, man. Well, uh, I've really enjoyed the conversation. Uh, don't hang up just yet, but for podcast sake, yeah. we're going to cut it off right there. All right. <laughs>